Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Real Estate Matters. For over nine years, the voice of real estate in Flagler County in Palm Coast, Florida. I'm Toby Tobin. I'm a Florida licensed commercial realtor with Grand Lane Commercial Realty. I'm here with trustee side, well, I'll just say sidekick. <laughs> Walker Douglas in the studio today. No Hello, offense Walker. taken, Toby. So, WD, your initials are WD, they but, are. You're, but you're not WD-40 yet. You're like WD-29. No, right? we're going to throw a big um, machine lubricant party for my 40th birthday in honor of WD-40. Have you ever read some of the things that that is used for that it means? All kinds of hacks. Yeah, it's really, it's good um, if you have an upset stomach. Assuming that dying is the best cure for an upset stomach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on, let's go. What I'm else? Sure. What other uses? Uh, I'm not. Uh, this isn't a lubricant show. I heard it's, it's, real, a, it's like a spike show. protein cleanser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we're recording on Thursday. So we've got. A little more than a week to go in the month. We don't, so obviously we don't have September numbers except to date numbers, but we're pretty much on track with previous months, recent months. 149 single family homes sold through MLS. Median price is down a little bit, but not troubling. It's 355,000. It was oh. 365 last month, but it was 359 back in. January, February. Days on market, still low at 36. So, demand is high. Low at 36, depending on your perspective from which you are judging. Well, if you're if you're looking at just the recent 24 months, 36 is, is high yeah. com- compared to it got down to below 10 there for a while. Can you believe that? We were 10 days on market at one point. So homes listed, 891. That's up from 876 just last week. And 329 of those are new construction listings. Wow. So that's 36.9% of the listings are new construction. And that that's... Follows the national reporting too that uh, existing home sales are down because people are not listing their homes because they're locked into low mortgage rates. They so it's really up to the builders and the new construction to deliver affordability. Mm-hmm. And uh, homes pending locally in the local MLS, three hundred and sixty-one. That's down a little bit from three sixty-eight last week, but a hundred and sixty-eight of those. Or forty six point five percent are new construction. Wow! So okay. that number, the it's got a higher percentage on pending homes than it does listed homes. So it, if everybody's locked into a great rate that they refinanced or bought at, you know, two years ago, there's not going to be existing inventory hitting the market. So we just need construction to mm-hmm. get yeah, that price do. down. Well, one of the reasons the percentage is higher, percentage of pending homes is that. A lot of the new construction goes under contract five months before the house is finished. Yeah. Or four months. So you don't go from, it isn't just you sign the contract, 
get your mortgage and do your due diligence and close. You wait for the house to be finished. That's a fun process. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my my son signed a contract, uh, he and his wife, for a townhome in the trails on northern Beltaire, the D.R. Horton townhome yeah. project. And they signed their contract some months ago. They're finally going to get to close and move in in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it seems like that's overwhelmingly been the story you hear over the last two years with, you know, post-lockdown. It's been supply chain issues. But also remember how quickly people were getting into homes prior to the shutdown of the country. Mm -hmm. Well, the uh, new home construction is taking longer than it did couple of months or a couple of years ago prior to COVID, supply chain issues still remain, labor issues still remain. And uh, in, in the uh, D.R. Horton townhome scenario, uh, since Steve and Ann signed for their townhome, prices have gone up more than once. I'm sure. It's almost like the old Bobby Ginn days where you just put a house under contract and sell the contract to somebody because right. it's double yeah, in value. You, you just turn around and sell the contract to the person behind you in line. So only two homes so far this month have sold for over a million dollars. And you know, we're more than halfway through the month. Last month there were 10. So I don't know whether that tells us anything because... 10 is a lot. That seems. I yeah. mean, that's an anomaly in the data. Well, we had we had a month earlier in the year. We had nineteen. So. Yeah. Anyway, um, half half of the top ten so far this month top ten sales were for cash, but interestingly, the same is true for the bottom ten. Half were for cash. So that's an interesting way of saying all of them. No, it isn't. No, because the, no all. Over, I see you didn't read the notes, did you? (laughs) (laughs) Caught you. Uh, Overall, uh, 56 out of 149, or only 37.6% were for cash. So in the middle, it tends to be finance. On the high end, you got the people that that, uh, just swapped out some of their portfolio to buy a house, or they sold, sold a house up north to buy a house. But the... You know, investment money or, or loans are at a very high rate for people at the bottom end of the market. I know my son, uh, one of my sons in Charleston, buys and does the work himself. He's a contractor and flips. And he said the hard money interest rate is, is way over 15%. Yeah. That's, a, that's pretty hefty. Yeah, so you better... You better not miss your marks when you're flipping for a, you know, maybe 25% margin. No, and, and you better get your work done fast. Yeah. So the interest rates, supply chain, labor shortages, uh, still market drivers right now. Uh, we have a wave of new residents coming to Florida, 1,000 a day net. And uh, remember, I think we talked last week or the week before that the people coming in have uh, a higher income than the people who are leaving. Yeah. You know, so the net is a big gain for Florida. Uh, they're bringing assets here, which is good. They're investing 
starting businesses. Spending money. Spending money. Mm -hmm. But that leads to an affordability issue, which we'll get to a little bit later in the show. So for the present market, we're just really wandering sideways. I mean, the, the, we've defined the fact that uh, demand is high, existing inventory supply is low, builders are constrained with what they can build because builders are, of course, we still have infill lots, the scattered ITT lots, probably 9,000 still left, but they're not the best 9,000 out of roughly 50. But builders can build scattered lots quickly. They can buy a scattered lot, get a building permit essentially that week. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about new development, most people think about developments like Cascades, which is recently in the news. And that's a, a project down south of the airport that was once um, Levitt and Son bought it back in the early 2000s, got it approved for X number of homes. Then the market went potty and Levitt went bankrupt and the bank ended up, the lender ended up owning that property. And then somebody else bought it, dime on the dollar, that's the way the market goes. Uh, but now that's being reapproved. Just went through for increased density. But depending on how you look at it, if you're a certain city council member looking at it, you'd say it's like doubling the density. But that, sure. that's really not true. That's a fabricated number. But that's a project that's that started. It was originally conceived 20 years ago. Yeah. And it's there's still nothing there. It's still wild territory. It's been surveyed now, and uh, the wetland delineations have been done, and the planning has been done, and and now it's in the the um, entitlement and permitting process, and that will take some months yet sure. for that to go oh, yeah. through before a shovel is of dirt has turned. It's funny when you forecast these projects and you think you're going to know what pricing is going to look like and what the market is going to look like by the time you can put a shovel in the ground. Mm -hmm. It's almost never the case that you get that right. You, you get these uh, big national and regional builders and <clears throat> like D.R. Horton is the largest home builder by volume of homes built in the nation and, and they're doing a lot of business locally. I was looking at permitting and they, they're way ahead of all the other builders and the number of permits that they are, are pulling. But there will be months when they pull just a handful. And the reason is they just run out of lots. And uh, now they're, they're building on scattered lots to keep their crews busy when they don't have another phase at Sawmill or Grand Reserve. It's a, essentially a supply chain issue for them a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. I mean, they've, they've got, uh, let's say that they end up building in Cascades, and they might. You know, the, they're always looking for new project uh, 
spaces. But then they're going to have to look at it now and plan that it's going to be 18 months before they could start permitting and getting a building permit to build. And you know the margin that typical national home builder makes? Mm -hmm. Well, they make it on volume. About 18%. Mm -hmm. That sounds sounds really high, but it's not when you consider... All the risk and the time. And and the funny thing is that uh, the the market is adjusting now. Um, You know, D.R. Horton doesn't go out and find blank dirt. They they buy something that's already been permitted, gone through the process. Um, And more and more developers and builders are taking little pieces of the timeline and saying, that's my niche because it really depends on where you are in the timeline. There's some places where you you suddenly have to put a lot of money out, real hard money, and then you've still got 12 months maybe of permitting. And in that 12-month period, if the market goes potty on you... Or if a it, permitting agency says, we don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm, so many variables. Right. Well, listen, we've got to take a quick break. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. So based on your comment, how do you deliver more and better with less money? Free for all Friday, where local newsmakers talk it I out. I try to inform the public. And, you well, know, I wasn't the, blaming um, you. No, I understand, but I'm trying to get this I, thing done. I thought 120 days was enough. I hung in there as long as I could. Hi, I'm David Ayers. Join me and Brian McMillan every Friday morning following the news at 9 on WNCF and worldwide on the Flagler Radio mobile app. everybody. This is Toby Tobin. Thanks for staying with us. This is the second half of Real Estate Matters, brought to you by the Flagler County Home Builders Association, Klein Construction, American Village. That's a gated 55-plus community that I recommend because I live there. Just You're running for little. HOA president, right? No, not yet. And, and, not uh, yet, huh? Uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's only one thing worse than being president of your HOA, and that's not being president of your HOA. Spoken like a power-hungry old man. No, no. I'm just <laughs> spoken like someone who's been there done that. Yeah. And uh, also backed by the uh, spiritual support of the Hammett Community Church. That's, need where, it. that's where I go to church, yeah. too. And it's the neat little church in the hammock. I recommend you give it a try. It's a very unique place. So we're talking about all of the steps that home builders have to go through. And what's what's really happened now is that, uh, well, D.R. Horton has is, is affiliated with, I don't think it's a wholly owned subsidiary, but uh, is it Four Star? Four Star, yes. Yeah, and, and Four Star will acquire land and take it through permitting and then sell it to D.R. Horton. But you're, you're isolating your risk into whatever little legal entity uh, owns it, but you know there there's uh, the people that developed the two projects across from uh, the surf surf club condominiums. Uh, one one was a KB home project ultimately, and the other one was um, Richardson Amer- 
I can't remember. Richmond America. Richmond America. Yeah, really nice looking stuff. And yeah, they're nice developments, but the, the there were two fellows uh, that worked together that put that land under contract, and then they put an extended due diligence period, maybe six months, nine months even, and then they'll take it through the permitting process, go get the zoning done, the entitlements done, get all the permits in place so the builder can actually buy the land and then come in and, and start moving dirt right away. So they've taken all that that time out of the the builder doesn't have to spend the time and risk the money. But the people that are, that are have it under contract, they've put some money down, but not necessarily a lot of money. It's just it's a deposit. It's hard money. And then they've got to spend the engineering money and the the legal money, but I think that's that's the niche that probably has the highest rate of return. Well, you might you, you might. I mean, a lot of times some of these outfits might spend a million dollars on the soft costs before mm-hmm. you know just in the engineering. Um, nothing's that easy to engineer. Um, if it left in Florida, if it was, it would have been engineered and probably sold and well, built upon already. All, all the good, all the. Contiguous uplands are gone already. Right. Everything right now, you have uh, wetlands wandering, wandering through it, and you have uh, uh, stricter water management laws than you had back in those days. Which is good. Which is a good thing. We need, you know, got to treat the stormwater somehow. And, and then uh, you go up to you know the northeast where they write all these federal environmental laws and their water. The rain hits your lawn that you just, you know, put chemicals all over and goes straight into the cove or straight into the <laughs> river. Behind, you know, Florida, we don't have that sort of situation. No, that's that's true. We're pretty sandy here, most of it. So I wanted to talk um, talk about an article that Pierre Tristan put out just – I don't know whether it came out today or yesterday, but on Flagler Live – and he talked about affordable housing, and he didn't mince words. Uh, no, yeah, he went straight for the heart, straight for the jugular. Did a good job with it, and uh, he did. And I mean, I've been I've been preaching this for ten years, mm-hmm. and it's it's just it's like pushing a. By the way, to nobody's benefit, not to your own benefit, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just something just that you've locked in on. It's it's it was it's the right thing to do. I mean, this is. Um, common sense for everybody, but not everybody has common sense. And people just get locked into the idea that um, I got into a big debate with a, a friend who was career military. And uh, it, it got to be a serious debate. I mean, it was got to the yelling level. Uh-oh. Did you throw not, down? Yeah. And, uh, with that Irish elbow, and he and he commented. He said he just is against subsidized housing, and the irony is, as a career military person, <laughs> he's probably spent almost all of his adult life in subsidized yeah. housing. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why he didn't like it. But uh, you know, it just—it's so illogical. Uh, nobody wants renters, but almost everybody. If you ask them, well, did you own a house when you were twenty-three? No, I rented. 29. 20, oh, yeah, you're 29. I think, too, we, we've got to s- somehow separate the 
there is a difference between a, rent, a, a rental community, apartments, townhomes, what have you, and affordable housing. Affordable housing typically falls under – we use that as a catch-all for state-subsidized housing. And I do believe and, – and there's this false dichotomy that if you don't support state-subsidized housing, then you're against affordability and you're against young people being able to afford to rent somewhere, blah, blah, blah. That's a false dichotomy because we can make apartments, we can make rents cheaper without subsidizing them. And how would you do that? Eliminating regulation, eliminating <laughs> impact fees. Okay, saying so you don't have to have bathrooms and things like that? Not necessarily. I mean, hey, maybe there's a segment in the market that wants an outhouse. I don't know. <laughs> I think if you do, and, and here's where the free market is the be all end all. Mm-hmm. If you per, if you design, permit and build a project that doesn't have bathrooms, you're going to fail. Yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> so you're going to lose a lot you of know, money. Some years ago, um I I had worked with the people on the, the planning board and they were uh actually going over the land development code portions of it for potential revision and the planning board, all but one person on the planning board voted that the code should change in Palm Coast so that it did not require an attached two-car garage or one-car garage was was permissible. But the city manager at the time, and and some city staff, but predominantly it was the city manager who was just dead set against it. And when it came before the town council, city council, the planning board's recommendation wasn't even included in the staff presentation. Wow. But there's a there's an exa- perfect example of regulation compounding the affordability problem because in Palm Coast, you have to have at least 1,200 square feet for a single-family home and you have to have an attached two-car garage. You also have to have lots of other accoutrements you know, sure. there's uh, architectural features. You can't just have a, f- a front door. You've got to have a little portico uh, and, and banding around the windows, and you've got to have a pitched roof and that all add to the, to the expense. But I got a lot of blowback on that because, you know, IT, we like it the way ITT designed it. Well, IT&T did not design it to have two-car garages. There Is that are, right? There are tons of one-car garages around, and if you pay attention, you'll find them. But the reason that nobody notices them because they're unnoticeable. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the point. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it, it proves the point that you can have a one-car garage without spoiling the neighborhood. And it is an odd thing for a land development code to take a stand on. There are, are to be sure, there are always arbitrary things that are in land development codes. You're like, what is this for? But to to mandate a two car garage, and and then to, then to camp out on that as that's the thing we're going to die by. Well, they were probably trying to limit the number of self storage units. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back then I don't know if that was a consideration, but it's working out now. But uh, also in in Palm Coast, the land development code does not prohibit. Um, modular homes. And to, and something else, speaking of things that you don't notice, mm-hmm. you look at a modular, some of these modular homes now and you have no idea that it's any different than a stick no. built or block home. Huh? 
But in, in the advantage of modular homes is that because they're factory constructed and then transported on site and then go on a slab or a stem wall or something, unlike a mobile home, um, they're very cost effective. But there's only one mobile or one modular home that I, I'm talking to city staff. They could only identify one modular home in the entire city. And the reason is because all of the cost advantages you gain by factory construction, you lose when you have to add, <laughs> add right. a portico and you have to That's right. you know, put a little dormer on the roof or something to come bring it up to architectural code. And it's, I mean, who is it for? You know, maybe it's another thing like affordable, you know, that has a bad connotation. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want this. I mean, well, I've lived in, I've lived in trailers. So I, when I was in college, I spent half, half a semester in a mobile home running out, just yeah. running out of a bedroom. But the trouble is that people today don't want to live next door to their 20 year old self. I would. I was a great kid. I was probably better behaved then. <laughs> You're still a 20 year old kid. <laughs> okay. Well, great, great discussion today. Pierre, thank you for your article. You yes, did a sir. Great, Thanks, you really did a great job. And uh, if you want more details and you want uh, Pierre's twist on it, I recommend you go to FlightClinicLive.com. So that pretty much wraps it up today. Yeah, uh, we got some time, good ones coming time, up. Time to go. Yeah, we got some good shows we're planning upcoming. Hope you'll be there. We will. I'm Toby Tobin, and I approve this show. Ooh.